Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. Joined as always by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how you doing today, man? I'm doing well, man. I am uh, excited that the end of bull season is almost over. <laughs> it's been uh, it's been a ride, uh, uh, not a good ride, but it's been a ride. Uh, so, kind of excited to see how this playing ends. I think you know we're going to talk about the the playing game and the matchup against the Raptors, but. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited to see that, and I'm just excited NBA playoffs. It's like one of the best times of the year, so I'm excited about that. And and the and the East is or the excuse me, the East, but the, like the league in general is pretty wide open. Like I've, I've always joked all year, all the teams are are just uh, kind of jumbled up. Like you can almost take like four or five teams in each conference. I feel like and be like, yeah, I could re- realistically see them in the finals. Yeah. Uh, so that I'm excited about for sure for the playoffs. Like I said, Bulls, whatever. I'll I'll be back on my Jimmy Butler uh uh bandwagon because uh the Bulls uh, once again are not someone that I can root for because <laughs> they're probably not gonna be that far into the playoffs in their postseason. Um uh, probably make the postseason, but we'll see how that works out. But yeah. How about you, man? How's everything else going with you? I'm good, man. Uh the Bulls are they they finished the season almost at 500, which I, I think we wouldn't want in any other way based on how the season played out. Um, and it, if I'm remembering correctly, when they clinched the play-in berth, it wasn't because they won the game. It was because the Magic lost the game. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like these are just things that just happened for us. Like this is just how the season <laughs> went on. Like it's just the right. Bulls. They they consistently have given us uh, hope each time. And then as soon as we become a little intrigued, they just pull away. So uh, I, I think I'm like you that my sea red shirt is going to stay tucked away for another year. And whatever <laughs> happens in this play in game is whatever. Maybe we get a cool moment. Maybe Patrick Beverly gives us a cool meme to remember for the next 10 years. That would be great. Maybe there's a buzzer beater. I don't know. But it really just yeah. feels like uh, kind of like dead man walking. Like, I, I think we know that this iteration of a team is pretty final and that we're not going to get to get to see it again. But, hey, we, we we still have a lot of basketball to talk about. Like we said, uh, just a little while ago, the Bulls wrapped up the regular season with a 103-81 uh, win over the Detroit Pistons to finish 40-42 and 42 on the season. So uh, the Bulls will get the 10th 
spot in the play-in. They will play the Toronto Raptors on Wednesday, and it's basically a winner-go-home situation. So uh, we'll we'll all be tuned in, and like I said, it, it feels like house money, I think, at least for, for me and Salih right now. But uh, we, we wanted to wrap up the season. We wanted to talk about – you know, the last couple of games, we wanted to talk about how, like, just how the season felt in general, whether or not the Bulls met expectations. And we wanted to talk about some development with some young players and get our predictions in for the play-in. So uh, who better to join us uh, for the final show of the regular season than one of our uh, good friends, one of our favorite guests that we have. Uh, he, he, he gets in a lot of different bags. He is always on the show dropping bars on the draft, dropping bars on the league. We were just talking about the NCAA, uh, NCAA women's basketball tournament before we were recording. He just knows his stuff. Our good buddy, Mark Schindler. Mark, thank you for joining us again today, man. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm glad we could catch up. And uh, it's been like one of the nicest days in the Midwest lately. Um, so All right. I'm uh, I'm in like the best mood today just because <laughs> we're chilling Uh I uh, I don't have entirely too much work to do today. Just kind of kind of relax and um, honestly not watch any more basketball. Today. I I caught up on a bunch of stuff today, but now that the day is kind of winding down, just uh, just chilling. Uh, I'm so ready for the playoffs to be here. Just because all the questions that I've been like asking myself or or you know trying to see how it's going to play out, uh, I think we finally get answers to in the next two three weeks in the first round, and then go from there. And I'm ready for that. Yeah, no, so it's the most wonderful time of the year, Mark. Correct. <laughs> yeah, it, when, it's this playoff time, right? Like when the Bulls were when the Bulls were really good, it was that that playoff weekend. It always just felt so nerve wracking. Like I, I remember being in college in my dorm when the Bulls played the Pacers in the yeah. first round that one year, and it was just like, oh my god! Like you, you, you know they're gonna win the series, but you're just like, I just hope they don't come out and lay an egg, and like I, I just want them to play really well. So I, I miss those days, and I don't, I, like I said, I doubt that we have those same type of nerves this year. <laughs> oh man! But like Mark, let, let, let's get into how the Bulls were this season. So uh, again, finishing forty and forty-two, they played, they they played a lot better once they were able to sign Patrick Beverly after he was waived following the trade deadline. And we, we've been talking about it on the last few shows, but Pat Bev definitely seemed to be remotivated playing in his hometown and also seemed to give the Bulls a lot of what they had been missing uh, with Lonzo Ball out for foreseeable future and uh, j- just that role in general. Like, obviously, he isn't Lonzo Ball, but being able to give us that defense, being able to have those intangibles, the pick-and-roll communication, uh, just being a vet who has been around some playoff teams, has been on some really good teams, just having that back in the lineup and being able to push guys, I think that really helped. And w- we talked about it before, but the lineup with – the starting lineup with Pat Bev, Zach, um, DeMar, Vooch, Caruso, and uh, – and Pat as well, but that lineup has been one of the better lineups in the league since he joined the team. So it was a really big boost down the stretch for his team. So uh, when you've watched the Bulls uh, since Pat Beverly has joined, what have been your observations about how this team has played? Like, can you give us like that, uh, a really good summary of like Pat Bev's impact on this Bulls team? Yeah, I think uh, that was one of the more interesting things to see play out. Um, just like not that not, not to say that he was bad with the Lakers, mm. but I think he was starting to look like on his last leg a little bit. Um, 
like he he started off slow and then and picked things up. But um, I was not expecting him to have this kind of impact. But I think, and this is not to just take a negative, but I do think it's a little bit of a double-edged sword. Like I think when you saw what he was able to bring in kind of that muted Lonzo ball role, um, you saw what some of the real limitations are of this team um, and how uh, stretched out they are in some, some regards. And I think that's what was like, it was almost like uh, it was it was like very bittersweet watching the Bulls play after the All Star game um, because they they played a lot better. Like the defense has still been good all year. I do want to say like I don't think the defense has been quite as good as it as it looks on paper sometimes. Um, and I think you guys could definitely attest to that as well. But like it's still been steady. But it's just the offense. It's exactly like you mentioned. Like just having pace is the biggest thing I come back to all the time. Like. Pat Bev just does things quickly, whether it's take a shot quickly, whether it's move the ball quickly, whether it's run the ball off the court. And there just isn't really that much of that on the Bulls team. Um, and I think, I mean, that plays out with them being one of the bottom five ranked pace teams in the league right now um, over the back end, which is, ironically enough, even with Pat Bev, they, they had a lower pace, which is kind of wild when you compare it to the rest of the season, because it doesn't feel like that and watching the game play out on court. But um all that is to say, I did really like enjoy watching the Bulls over this back end. Um, and I think especially with all the Lonzo stuff too, it just like it makes you think, like not to not to just get all down <laughs> that early, but yeah, it's uh they were uh I, I think the last month has been has been kind of eye-opening in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think defensively, uh, I mean, so like obviously as as their defensive rating, obviously they were like what top. They finished – I haven't looked at their official rankings right now, but they were, like, in the top six, five, um, not, like, a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I think what, what their defense is basically at is they have to be very crisp on rotations. Like, yep. like when you look at, like, their contested – like, how many how many times they contest threes and, and, and whatever like that, they're, like, one of the top teams in the league in contesting shots. Um, so they have to be a hundred percent essentially like their margin for error on defense is pretty much slim close to zero because they don't have that like rim protector or elite backside help guy uh, yet. I mean, like, like we talk about like Pat, like we can envision him maybe becoming that down the line. Um, but that's obviously so baseball purely on hope and potential um, because he has shown some growth there and we'll get into Pat later, but. Um, yeah, he, he, it's definitely like, you're not off as far as saying like the, the on paper is not like what the results were that the on paper is not there just because they don't have that elite, like they don't have outside of Caruso, like they don't really have like an elite defensive player. And obviously having one point of attack guy is not going to make up for everything. Yeah. I think I'd even take it a step further. And like, I think they're very good at certain things. Like, they're they're good when they can play their set defense in the half court. Like I think when uh when they're just playing against straight pick and roll defense, I think I mean straight playing straight pick and roll defense, like obviously, you know, they want to play Vooch close to the level. And like you mentioned, backline rotations, it's when they have to get into scramble mode or when they have to deal with rebounding the basketball that I think they have their biggest yeah. issues. Like if they can really like I think uh, that was one of the things that I struggled with most this year was just if if they could more consistently get stops, they're fine. Like in some, some regards, like um, 
but it like really missing out on some of the rebounding that they need on the back end absolutely kills them defensively. Cause I think they, on a per possession basis, like they're fine uh, being able to stop things as long as it's not in early offense or transition, but then it's just, you know, you have issues from there. And I think that's something that they'll probably need to rectify in the off season. Um, but I think a lot more goes back to the offensive end for sure too. Yeah, and I think they also also a uh, big part of their defense is um, generating turnovers. So, like, if you play a team that's kind of disciplined, it can be a problem for them. Because um, mm-hmm. I know, like, you look at you look at uh, a lot of their defensive stuff. They get a lot of on, on the break and are able to uh, generate offense off of that. So that kind of helps them as well for like their games and ge- and their game in general. So you you mentioned the offense, Mark, and if you told someone entering the season that DeRozan would play 73 games, Zach Levine would play 76 games, and Booch would play in all 82 games, and DeMar's numbers really wouldn't trail off, Zach, even though he would start slow, his numbers would eventually come back to form. And Vooch would put up basically his same career numbers and his three-point shooting would improve. You would think that the offense would actually be pretty decent, right? Like on paper, right? So Yeah. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> you would think. So <laughs> when you when you look at the numbers and you see that entering this game that they have a 24th best offense, and best is probably not the right word to use there, but 24th in offensive rating. It's it's very perplexing, and then on top of it, Patrick Williams played in, um, what did he play in all eighty two games? All eighty two, yeah, all eighty two yeah. games. Oh. Well, and his three point percentage was really high this year too. You again, you would think that man, the Bulls are all right. They should have a good offense. So when you watch this team, what do you think went wrong with the offense this year? Uh, I think in general, I wasn't too much higher on the offense improving this year. Like, I didn't think it would be this bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can point to a lot of things. Um, even with, you know, you can look at the three-point percentage, like they were right around average, but the issue comes down to more how much they actually get up. Like, their volume was problematic for me in watching and also just like on paper, like, okay, they take the, the least amount of threes in the NBA. They make the least amount of threes in the NBA. Um I don't love just the it's a math problem thing, but it legitimately was a math problem for them this year. Like, okay, if they ever had a game where it's like if they don't get some of the stops that they typically get or their players aren't hot from the field, yeah, they they cannot keep up because they, they don't get to the line at a high level. They really don't get to the rim a ton. Everything is based on shot making and like being really effective. And they have three guys who are pretty good at that. Um but not having the connected players to really balance out the offense hurt them a ton. Like I think, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself talking about um, Pat and uh, not Pat talking about Cody, uh, Kobe white and, and, and Pat will, but like part of what made Pat Bev so important to this team and effective is like, he's one of the few guys that felt like who could dribble pass and shoot and would do it quickly. Like there aren't really any other guys on the roster you can look at. Cause like, okay, Javante Green, it sucked that he missed as much time as he did this year. Um, I think that really hurt because it almost felt like Billy would have been really comfortable just starting him. And I wouldn't have blamed him, frankly, with how well I think Javante looked at times. Um, 
with what he brings defensively, with how tenacious he is attacking the glass, with him getting out in transition, like just being an effective cutter, the lob presence. Um, but he's a non-shooter. And like Vooch's shot really waxed and waned this year. Like it it had a really nice moment, but it over, I think over the last month and a half, he shot about 32% from three, something like that. I know it's well below average. And teams still just don't really guard him like a three-point shooter. Honestly, it felt like this year, especially down the back end, more teams were willing to just outright switch everything against the Bulls. And I think that was so killer. Like last year, I think that they were better at forcing teams uh, to be punished for switching against them. I I don't think they were very good at that this year. Like I know that's kind of um, a very basic answer, but I think that was part of it. Like they really just struggled to – to get easy baskets. Everything felt difficult. And again, like I think one of the difficulties in analyzing this team is that I understand a lot of fans got upset with Patrick Williams this year. I think it went way too far for the most part, because I do think you can point at things he legitimately improved at. Like I thought he was the second best defensive player on the team the entire year for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, And he really improved in a lot of regards with that. He improved his ability to, to create with the ball in his hands, but also like, that's not exactly what the team needed from him. And that's what makes it difficult. And that's why, again, like I kind of got why Billy was like, all right, well, let's put him on the second unit and try and figure that out. That didn't, that, not that it was terrible, but like he just wasn't quite perfect. Like he's much more comfortable getting into his one or two dribble pull up than just, you know, pulling an open three. Um, there's a lot of good things that he does, but it's just like not quite what really works. Well, not even not quite. Like it just doesn't really work with what this offense is because you look at Zach. And he's somebody who's much better attacking and tilted defense. And I still think even with him getting better uh, throughout the year, I still never felt that he's fully gotten back to himself. And I'm not sure that he ever will. Like, I don't, again, I don't mean to be damning. Like, I still think he's a very good basketball player. Um, But I still just don't think the lift is quite there around the rim. I don't think the burst is quite the same. I think it is at times, but um, part of it is probably how, you know, how stunted the floor was for them because so often they had, two guys not getting guarded and that just completely clogs the lane. Um, So yeah, there's, I mean, there's a million things to dive in with that, but uh, a lot of the offense to me comes back to who the three players are together in the big three. And then what the surrounding players are like around them. Cause I don't, I don't really think that there's the guys that, that bolster this group and also the three just really don't work well together right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're on the money about it being like it's just like it's a simple way to say it, but like a math problem because if you look at their overall field goal percentage, they're fourth in the league in conversion, like at forty nine two forty nine percent from the field, which is fourth in the league. But like you said, that they just don't have enough shooters, like in volume three point shooting, and you, you know three point shooting can swing a game, um, and especially a lot of times when they would the team would have like where the number of threes that they attempted were less than or equal to the number of threes the other team made. So that's that just kind of tells you, like, the offensive struggles this team is having because when you're just doing the simple met three versus uh, three uh, compared three points compared to two points, that, that adds up as far as the offensive side is concerned. Um, and I wanted to actually get a little more into, like, the Pat Bev with the connectivity uh, conversations is because that's what I had. Uh, I felt like I saw too with his addition. I was um, I was surprised as like like not that I didn't think he was a good 
half court connective player. Um, I just surprised as how how good he was. Like he was, like he. I would say he's maybe comparable to like a Caruso in that sense, like having that good uh, processing speed, being such a good uh, reliable player in that sense that uh, a coach like Billy could, you know, safely um, trust. Um, and compared to like Io and Pat and even like Kobe, I think Kobe has improved and Io still, I mean, Io had a rough year. Uh, Pat has still pro- kind of catching up in his processing or developing in his processing, I should say. I think that probably did make it the, the biggest difference on the Bulls being able to run a different set on when he joined. Um, did you had you noticed that as well? Like just in in the offensive sets that they did run, like the actions and things they run compared to when Pat Bell was on the team compared to before. Um, yeah, I don't really think that actions were different or anything. I think it just again, I think it just helped having somebody who was able to not even that he got guarded all the time, but somebody who could okay if you didn't guard Pat, like he was capable of making things, making you regret not guarding him. Um, because sneakily, like you mentioned, like I think Io struggling as much as he did this year was was a was a was a big problem. And like I, I don't really, he struggled, but also I, I think like that's this is part of what needs to be baked in for development. Like last year, he shot outlier from from three. Like obviously, I think it waned a little bit as the year went on, but um, it was still on low volume. And of course, you know that went down a little bit this year. I still think like he was relatively. I don't want to say the exact same. I think he lost confidence a little bit as the year went on, which hurt him. Um, but I still thought he brought a lot of good things defensively, but they didn't really lean in. They all, well, I don't want to say they didn't, they weren't really able to lean into him as a ball handler and transition as much or letting him bring things up. Cause like they did last year with just like, okay, let's put the ball in IO's hands since he's not getting guarded and then, you know, run off that. And I, it just didn't really hit the same this year. It felt like teams were much more willing to, um, to play off of him and find ways to 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 not really allow him to get things going, um, and that was so. I, I think it just like his role change really hurt him, um, and I, I still expect him to be really good moving forward and at least be like a solid rotation player. Um, you know, again, just continue to improve the shot and continue to improve the ability to um, to do things off the catch and be stronger as a catch and shoot player. Cause like, again, like uh, he and Pat had so much of the same issue of just like the, they're so much better on the one to two triple two one to two triple pull up than like just taking a straight up catch and shoot three, like teams can short close them so easily um, and be comfortable doing it and either not running them off the line or just forcing them into a contested shot or like that short close is what to me makes them look so rough at times because you see them like gaff in decision-making or mistakes. And like, you have that little buffer period and it's like, Oh shoot. And uh, yeah. So it was, uh, it was tough to see that. You think so, that's more just a confidence thing, like shooting the ball. Like when you get it, just shoot it. Like, or is it kind of like, cause with Pat in particular, like I know people we've, we, we've all talked about him needing to speed up his shot. And I think he did as the season went on. But like I always, I've kind of felt like since how high his release is, it's not really a big problem. Um, but at the same time, you you talk about the, him being able to uh, get the shots off in in those close spaces. Um, do you do you think that's more like I said, the fact that it's a little slower, or just the simple fact that hey, look, you're just not 
have the, you're not just shooting it with confidence. It's like you're not just letting it. Like I'm just gonna let this shot fly. I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. Because uh, for me, his mechanics are still like they're not very fluid. Um, like it's very mechanical. Uh, ironically, mechanics mechanical, but like yeah. they uh even with it being like kind of a higher release, it's still like, okay, even if you have, like, if you have somebody right in your face, I think it's hard to get that shot off or it's hard to feel confident in that. So I do think it does play back into confidence a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's just probably a little bit of both for me, but primarily more on the just actual getting the shot off quickly. Cause I think it plays into it. Like, okay. It's like, well, even if you have improved it and you're thinking like, oh, well, I'm getting my shot off quicker, but a guy's still right in my face or right in my lap when I'm when I'm getting into my release. I do think that then parlays into confidence a little bit. So I, I don't know. Like, I think that would be something really interesting to hear about from him, you know? Yeah. yeah. Even though this season has been really frustrating for a lot of the reasons that we've been talking about, I, I do think that one of the bright spots has been that, Pat and like you talked about Pat has been he's been a really like he's improved a lot and he's improved offensively in terms of his three-point shooting he's been able to show a little bit more like aggression offensively like he doesn't seem to like shy away from it as much as anymore and when we look at what Kobe White has done this season as well especially after the all-star break Kobe White just seems to be a better decision maker he's shooting the ball a lot better and I think that was one of the developments that we really weren't expecting like that this season is that Kobe White all of a sudden looks like someone that you really want to keep around for the long term. So between him and Patrick Williams, I think these are two players that the Bulls are really going to have to prioritize. What happens with Io? I don't know, but I like you, I, I think Io can still be a really good player. So what do you what do you think about what Kobe has done this season, especially after the All Star break and? How, how do you see him really playing into the Bulls plans long term? Like, I I think with the fact now that he's probably going to be a free agent that a lot of teams are going to check in on and just be like, man, maybe we can get this guy for a pretty like reasonable deal. And his upside is still pretty high because he's still a really young player. So, like, what do you what do you think about what Kobe has done this year? Yeah, I think he's been probably the bright spot of the Bulls season for me. Um, and that like, obviously, I mean, there are two borderline all NBA guys in Vooch. So it's like, I don't want to be, you know, unfair to them, but like, I just didn't expect this from Kobe. Like I thought, you know, we talked about this before the year and, and last year too, but like Kobe got better last year, even if he wasn't great, like he, he really improved his effort and positioning defensively. And this year he just kind of has put everything together to a degree, like even with a rough start to the year, um, the career swing injury was really good for him as much as it sucked having the career swing injury happen. Like I think he, got the opportunity to step into a bigger role and kind of from there, he's just been fantastic. Like uh, especially like you mentioned in, since like the start of February, he's been incredibly good. And a lot of it is just feeding back and everything we talked about, like being aggressive, uh, doing things without really thinking. Like I think he's really improved his ability to, to, to make reads and his ball placement within them too, uh, as a passer, like he still is very much a combo guard, but He's a lot better in some of those regards and, and how he's um, just attacking in general. And his uh, his ability to kind of get to all three levels and be comfortable there has been really impressive as well. He still hasn't – like he hasn't shot amazingly around the room this year, but he's been getting there fine. And um, he's just been playing with force in a way that I don't really think we saw in the last couple of years because so much of 
you know, Kobe playing with force was like Kobe being out of control on drives and stuff. And it's been different this year, like the, and mixing in the shooting too, like he's really figured out how to, how to move without the ball a little bit. I wouldn't call him like a, a master, like floor vision guy, but I think he knows how to, how to fill lanes and how to, how to move spot, move to positions within the offense to, um, to be a threat still. And I think that's been really cool for him. Like you can see him, he's one of the few guys you can watch on the team who routinely is like, okay, he gets an initial action, drives the ball. There's nothing there, kicks it out and then gets back out to the corner or, or moves to the slot or does whatever. Like, you know, he doesn't just stand there. Um, so that's been really fun to see from him. And then defensively, like he's taken another step for me defensively. Like he went from last year, I think being a guy who I still would have considered a probably like below average defenders like he's at least over the last month for me he's just been flat out good like he gets over screens really well he's physical at the point of attack he switches like he's not given what his wingspan is he's not somebody who i want guarding up a ton but he's capable of putting pressure on the ball again like he just like he he definitely has some weaknesses off the ball and how he sees things but even then like he's been one of their best guys at rotating as the low man um which has been kind of that's been wild to me to witness that. Like as bad as DeMar has been playing the low man this year, I think Kobe's been like that good. Um, like he has rim contests and like moments of verticality. Uh, and I'm not projecting him as like an all defense player or anything, but seeing him do yeah, stuff like that has been really fun to watch. And I think, you know, saying best low man, probably a little too far, but he's been amongst like the guard room outside of like Caruso. I think he would be. Um, but point being like, He's just legitimately been very good. And I think, like you're saying, Ed, I, I mean, he's got to be a priority for them to, to retain in free agency, regardless of what the direction is, because he's proved himself like a borderline starter and a top top seven rotation player for me. All right. So I, I tweeted the other day, and I was probably being a little, uh, a little hyperbolic in a sense, but I said, I'm looking forward to uh, Kobe White starting point guard for the Bulls next year. Um, so again, a little hyperbolic at the point, but like at the same time, I look at him and, and I see like you're talking about him being able, his vision being improving and, and his ball handling has improved a lot too. Uh, and his ability to like generate offense, not only for himself, but like you said, um, but finding guys that got on a kick out or guys that are might be cutting to the basket. Um, could you see him being even like a secondary initiator like a guy that if you had like a legit num like one initiator on offensive end you could see kobe being like a secondary guy uh because i can i can i get that feel from him and uh, like i said i feel like he's on the cusp of if he got if he got to secure that starting point guy role next year i could see him having a breakout season yeah no i agree with that i think part of what's fun about him is like he's hit that cusp of combo guard where I view him as like, if he continues on this track, I should say in that he can still do uh, like he can, he can initiate offense, but he can also really function well outside of the play. Um, and I still wouldn't like, again, with like so much is going to be like all based out of shot gravity for him and like being able to create out of ball screens. Cause that's where he's at his best. But um, if there's like a better creator on the team alongside him, then hell yeah. Like I definitely see that. Like, I think he's like probably more of a natural two, but he could definitely play point and alongside the right players. I don't think it's crazy. So back on, to, I, I'm, I'm all ready for 
Starting point guard, Kobe White. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the team could look really different next year. I mean, who knows what is really I mean, I mean, I, like I said at the top, like I think it's widely expected that they're probably not, you know, one way or another, this isn't going to be, you know, the Levine, DeRozan, Boot show. So, I mean, who knows how many of them from that big three will still be here. So, uh, you know, fans of some fans have said, let's rebuild. And if that happens, then you could definitely imagine a scenario where Kobe White and Patrick Williams are going to get a lot of opportunity next year to showcase what they can do. Uh, if maybe Zach is just here, then, I mean, I think you still get that chance where they're going to have a lot of increased value. So either way, it seems like there's a big opportunity there for them to take another jump next season. And I, I think we really want to see what Kobe can do as a starting point guard now compared to what he was, what he was when he first entered the league. And I think we definitely want to see what Pat can do more of now. I, I think a lot of excitement is that Pat could probably be a 16, 17 point per game scorer or something next year, or maybe even more. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so if, let's get into some of the the playing uh, conversation here. Uh, obviously, the Bulls have a, a really, I would say, a tough matchup for them versus the Raptors because they they kind of struggle with the Raptors. Obviously, Demar in particular did, especially with Nick Nurse, the way he game planned around them. Um, and I, I don't believe any team has won on the road in a playing game yet yeah, since the inception of the play-in uh, started. I, I I think I saw that stat somewhere, but I don't know how accurate that is. A uh, team going into another team's uh, stadium, at least, or maybe at least for that 9-10 matchup, I should say. It's, I think that might be more accurate to say that. But what, what do you see for that matchup as far as the Bulls going into Toronto and their ability to uh, kind of steal a game there? Uh, I think it's definitely possible um, just because both these teams are pretty black, you know, like respectfully. Um, I What's weird is like I think both teams have kind of done some of the same stuff where like they've looked okay at times over the back end. I think um, like Toronto has kind of figured some things out. They've still been pretty average, but their defense has gotten a little bit better. Their, their offense is still pretty mid, but it's – better than the Bulls offense. <laughs> like, so I think to me, what, what, the, what this game comes down to and what I'm interested to see is like you mentioned, like I think DeMar has to have a big game. Zach has to show up as well for sure, but it's like, okay, who can, who can really be, can they be effective on the glass? Because Toronto is a team that is, uh, I mean, with how much size they have across the board, even if Vooch is going to be, well, I guess like he and hurdle are the same size, but like with how much size the Raptors will have, across positions on the on the bulls not getting swarmed on the glass on either end is going to be really important um like obviously the bulls don't really attack the offensive glass like that so that doesn't matter as much but um i think that'll be important because limiting the possession game like with how much toronto likes to get out and transition that's huge so like okay you can't miss stuff around the rim you can't miss long threes and let toronto get a three on two fast break the other way like those are things especially when you're looking at a one game sample that could play out really poorly for the Bulls. And of course it could play out poorly for the Raptors is the other way too. Cause if they give up a bunch of wide open shots and guys just randomly make them like, yeah, it changes up. I think I would probably pick the the Raptors in this game to be honest. Um, Cause they just have the length to really stifle a lot of what the Bulls want to do playing on the interior. Um, 
but I mean, I'd probably go 60, 40 in, in favor of, of Toronto now or 65, 35 for Toronto, which is not a huge vote of confidence, but <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's just like, a they're, they're very like, like you said, compare similar teams and, and, and what kind of season they've had for sure. So, and I guess it does come down to probably like the home court advantage tilting the favor for them in a sense. Yeah. I think one of the things I'm concerned about, and we've already talked about shooting. So, I mean, I, I guess shooting is just a general concern with any Bulls game. But even though Toronto is not like one of the most high value three point shooter shooting teams in the league, they're like most of their best players have a lot of value in three point shooting, especially when you look at like Van Fleet and Trent and OG. So they can, like when they're on the floor, they're going to be launching. And the Bulls, like we talked about, they're not the same in that department. So it, it can really swing very quickly. And I, I think what Mark was saying about how teams are really just giving up or conceding that three at the top for Vooch and those pick and rolls and how we saw that last year. And Milwaukee was just letting that fly and just packing the pain and just – it, it was just ugly to watch because you're just basically like hoping that Vooch is going to hit that three each time. And it's just, yeah, I, I don't know how that's going to go. So, I mean, I, I'm inclined to lean towards Toronto in this game and home court advantage is also a really big part of it too, especially if it's just a one game thing. So um, the, the Bulls are really going to have to to keep up, I think, three point shooting wise as well to really, you know, make this a game, I think. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to get blown out, but yeah, I, I guess those are my concerns. What do you think, Mark? Well, it helps, too, that the vibes haven't really been great in Toronto either. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it looks like Nick Nurse is probably on his way out as the year winds down. Mm-hmm. Like, he's already been mentioned in every potential coaching uh, mm-hmm. opening, uh, especially the ones that came out today. It, he mentioned uh, recently that he's going to take time after the season to kind of figure out what's what. So they're very much angling for him to not come back next year. Uh, and I don't know. It's just like there's there seems to be like a lot of general apathy around that team. But I I don't know. I, I I'm with you. I still think I would very much pick uh pick the Raptors in this game. So let's say the Bulls win this game. Um, who who in your opinion would be the better matchup between Miami and Atlanta to play next? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I want to say Miami. Um, ah, do I really want to say Miami? It, I, I think, I think I'll go Atlanta. Never mind. Yeah, I, I, Miami was the wrong, wrong bet. I would go my, I, I would go with Atlanta here, just because I, Atlanta. I think Miami's like actually put more together recently. Atlanta has two to a degree, but like the last couple, last week and a half of the season are kind of, uh, it's hard to take a lot away from it. I I just don't feel very good about where this Atlanta team is at and how their roster is set and their balance still is so lacking uh, on both sides. Um, They do have a lot of size to contend with, uh, with what Chicago wants to do. And again, like kind of muck things up in the middle, but um, I think if they were going to have a shot to beat a team, it would probably be Atlanta. Um, but then you could also make the case like Miami is not getting into the paint the same way that Trey Young is. Um, 
I think that they would do a much better job containing what Miami has, but also Miami can just get so hot from outside. Um, and that can be really difficult to deal with in its own right. So it's, it's kind of a, a rough one to look at, but I would probably just pick Atlanta because they're a worse team, which is not great analysis, but that's where I would go. Yeah, it's weird. Like Miami has like a negative point differential on the season. They're like like negative point three. It's it's really weird. They're like, <laughs> I don't know what's been their overall issue all season. It's been like a lot of inconsistent play. I mean, Jimmy's been um, Jimmy whenever he's played, but obviously he does a lot of like load management stuff. So um, I think a lot of games when he's not playing, they really do miss him. And I, I don't think Bam has been – I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like Bam has probably had a kind of a down season compared to what he normally is at. Um, at least that, that's what I saw earlier. I don't know if he's kind of brought it back together as the season uh, went along in, like, the second half. Uh, but I know there were some conversations around him not, you know, kind of struggling a little bit compared to, like, what you expect out of him, I should say. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're, they're an interest, interesting team. And – for what it's worth, the Bulls did sweep them this yeah. season in the regular season. So, and obviously in that on those play-in playoff atmospheres, things can be different. Um, yeah. So, I, I, I would probably tend to say Miami might be a better matchup just because what we've seen this year. Um, and I still worry about trade because I get that the Bulls have like really good point of attack defenders that could really, you know could really, you know, give them different looks. But I just – I worry about Trey and the pick and roll. And I, I don't know if the Bulls would be able to consistently, especially in that backside, um, if he's able to get into that paint. I'm not sure if they really stop. And so I feel like Miami would be the better matchup personally. I don't know if I'm being reasonable there, <laughs> but – I think there's logical. Um, I mean, they Miami – like the Bulls have beaten Miami – with Jimmy out, with Jimmy in there, with Kevin Love in there, like they've beaten like every version of that Miami team this year. Uh, even though that first game was uh was like the the game like the the season opener, so like I guess that doesn't really like mean a whole lot. But mm-hmm. uh, and then like those Atlanta, like Atlanta has been such a tough matchup for the Bulls this year. Like they've had a lot of close games, and like Trey Young can really like. Salim was talking about with that pick and roll defense. I don't know how that's gonna look, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I I guess I would want Miami, but I don't know. Like Jimmy, like Jimmy might feel motivated by Salim's like like inner yeah. inner thoughts or something like that, and might just go yeah. off. So I I don't know if I want that smoke right now, but <laughs> I, I don't know. But it, <laughs> both would both would be good games, assuming the Bulls can get past Toronto. So I don't know. Yeah, it's tough to say for sure. Yeah. Um so we're we're looking ahead into the future and um like after the postseason and we've talked about this a lot and, and we definitely want to wrap with this too, but we, we've talked about this a lot about where this team is heading and we you know we we've talked about it at the top that we assume that this is gonna be the last iteration of that we see of this big three uh structure with this Bulls team mark. So it, heading into the offseason, regardless of what happens, whether the Bulls do end up actually making the playoffs and looking good against, you know, like a, a one seed, two seed, whatever. So regardless of what happens, where would you, if it were up to you, 
what do you where do you see this Bulls team going in the offseason? Do you think this is something that is along the lines of maybe they just need to kind of like tear this apart, rebuild it, and see what, you know, get as many picks as they can and let's see what this future looks like? Or do you think this is a matter of a retool where it's gonna be a case of okay? You know, maybe we can make a bunch of trades. Maybe we can get creative. Maybe we can start getting in some like some value three point shooters in here. Maybe we can make a team that just makes more sense around some younger players on this team. Like what type of route would you would you foresee yourself going in with this Bulls team? Uh, I think, yeah, if it was up to me, I think I'd be somewhere in the middle. Like you're mentioning a little bit like I really want to see Kobe, uh, Pat, get get more opportunities and maybe with some of the changes that you make, which like I'd imagine like I this is just my assumption. Like I don't think we're gonna see the the top three back together again next year. Um mm-hmm. at least I would be surprised. Um just based on everything we've seen. I don't really think that I'm in a place where I feel good about having them all together. Um so I think I would try and figure that out. Uh and that probably means like dissolving that and and you know, hopefully bringing in something like maybe you bring in a young player and, and draft comp and like, it's probably not as much as you would want or or hope to get back. But I do think like, like you mentioned, just making things make more sense. Um, and a lot has to go into like, okay, well, I don't know how much money there even is in free agency right now. I haven't looked, but hmm. um, I think like, yeah, you want to be a player in free agency. You want to be able to, um, I, I just don't think this team is in a place where they can fully bottom out. Um which I think some people might disagree with, but I still think I look back at what last year was and I don't want to get too caught up in that. Um, But I mean, having that after what the last half decade had been since, uh, since Jimmy left um, or, or got traded, I should say um, like that, that was like all that you could want. Like just having a team that's competitive and like looks like it has a direction, I think was really important because they spent so much time being a team that wasn't really all that competitive and didn't really have much of a direction. And I know like that's not to say that there shouldn't be a um an emphasis on a rebuild. Like if there is like a buy-in to actually rebuild, I don't think it's a bad idea. Um, but the, I, I I sound very much like I'm fence sitting right now. I think it's something that I just like I Still am intrigued by a lot of the players on this team, um, but I definitely am ready to see them go in a, a different-ish direction, preferably built around, around some of the younger players on the team. Yeah, I think the stuff we saw last season is predicated on Lonzo, and but Lonzo is not going to be back. Um, I mean, I, I don't see him back next season either, uh, just because the type of surgery that he had. Like, like everything I've seen, and obviously I'm not a doctor, and – the stuff I read was based off of just medical papers. Um, they're saying that that surgery requires 16 to 24 months of recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the cartilage transplant surgery. So if that holds to fruition, you're not seeing Lonzo back next season. Uh, so you maybe see him like at some point in his final year of his contract. And that's going to be a year like, so essentially that's going to be what three years that he miss misses on court. So that's going to be like essentially a rehab year for him to be playing kind of figuring out getting his feel back for the game. So it's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been long done with the big three 
<laughs> like <laughs> I, I think we've seen enough of it where you need to change the direction. And at the very least, like if you want to continue with Zach and Demar, like sign and trade Gooch for like a for like a pick and whatever protected pick you can get and like a, 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 a player exception. And then maybe you can then trade for a more defensive minded center that could be a better rim protector that could fit better with DeMar and Zach in that sense. Um, but yeah, even like trading DeMar should be really on draft day. If there's a player in this draft, like a team that in that, you know, 15, if, range 15 to 20 i don't know what demar could get at this point because he only has a year left on his contract if you can get two picks of him i don't know maybe not anymore but if you can get like a someone in that 15 range in this draft where this draft is pretty deep where you can really get a maybe a decent like maybe even a potential blue chip guy uh in that middle middle of the draft uh with a team that you know might want to improve more than where they're at. I think that's something the bulls should even pursue as well. So yeah, those, I mean, it sounds kind of like depressing, but like, at the same time, it's like, I don't, it's just, I don't know. I don't think they should keep continuing on with the, what they're doing. Yeah. It's kind of, like you said, it's kind of hard to do that when Lonzo was really the straw that kind of stirred the drink to, to kind of, so to speak, where he, he was a connector. he, he, he had the three-point shooting. He was able to run the offense. He was able to guard multiple positions. So without that and still his contract on the books, like it's really tough to compete with this iteration of the team. So um, I, like, you know, we talked about this on the last couple of shows and it, it's going back and forth on rebuild versus retool. It, it's so tough, but like there could really be a strategy where you kind of do like a little bit of both where you're getting draft picks, but you're also getting players that could maybe fit too. like, a, like that could possibly work like Mark was saying, but yeah, it, it seems really clear that they really can't move forward with this team anymore because it's just such a hard, hard sell with what's going on. So uh, wherever that involves moving all of the, the top three players remains to be seen, but uh, this this play in will definitely represent kind of a, a last hurrah for this. Uh, uh, I don't know if we're calling it the the shy slamma jamma era. I don't I don't know what we're referring it to, but it, it definitely <laughs> feels like a, a curtain call uh, for this Bulls group. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today on Bulls Gold, man. We appreciated talking to you about this team and and getting hyped for this play-in game, man. Getting hyped for Wednesday. Uh, I I think we're trying to get as hyped as we possibly can <laughs> for what's to come with the Raptors. But no, this has been really great uh, talking to you. Uh, I, I didn't mention at the top, but you, you work in you, you do so many different things. You 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 write for uh, the WNBA.com. You're uh, you're scouting for Cerebral Sports. You're uh, writing for Dime Up Rocks. Like you're always super busy. So I, I, I would love to let our listeners know what you what you've been working on, and as always, where they can find your uh, work at. Yeah, no, I I appreciate you guys always for having me. I always enjoy getting to, to chat and hang out for a little bit. Um, I'm on Twitter at mg underscore Schindler. Um, if the, the biggest thing I've had come out recently, I did a feature on Haley Jones, who was getting drafted tomorrow slash today, whenever this is coming out on, you know, if it's coming out on Monday, then it'll be out Monday. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I expect a bunch moving forward for me. I'll probably more on the scouting side as um, we're heading into the off season. But yeah, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. 
Absolutely. Can't wait to watch that Haley Jones or to read that Haley Jones uh, article. Great player, uh, especially with the WNBA draft uh, tomorrow or today. If you're listening right now. So that's going to be great. And can't wait to see uh, my girl Leah Boston go number one. So that's going to be awesome. Uh, Salim, any final thoughts before we wrap up, man? No, yeah, always great having Mark on. Uh, obviously, he gives really good insight. He's uh, become a good friend of ours, and um, I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping I see him this summer because I'm gonna I'm hundred percent going to uh, summer league. Oh, I will be there for sure. Yeah, I'll so be in Vegas hopefully for like I... a week and a half this summer because uh, WNBA All Star happens right in the middle of summer league so i will be there for a oh while. okay excellent oh, yeah. Nice. i'll probably yeah i don't i'll probably i'm probably gonna go and when it like from i think it was it's like the 7th to the 17th right this year something like that uh so i'm probably gonna go from like the 7th to like the 10th or something like that so hopefully that's when you're gonna be there i'm assuming it is um but yeah, it'll be good to meet up and uh, try to still convince Ed to go too. Um, yeah, I'm looking. <laughs> yeah, I want to come to uh, summer league or uh, Chicago this uh, this summer. So I mean, summer league would be great because I think like it's really just become such a basically almost like a comic book convention or like a just a convention. Yeah, of basketball. yeah. I was com- I, I was kind of compare it to in a, in a in a lower sense to like spring training for <laughs> baseball and in, in a way it's because you. Just, it's yeah. like it's turned into such a major event to compare to what it used to be when uh back in the when it used to only be in Orlando and it was like this small, small event where you had like a bunch of guys that weren't even announcers announcing games. Or they or they were <laughs> announcers, but they weren't basketball announcers. They were just like uh, you know, Mystery Theater three thousand type of uh yeah. thing where they would just kind of do like random <laughs> quibs. Uh it was like this, like really, uh, like they worked weird, for the magic. Uh, I, I remember them. I, I can't oh, remember. Was it? Did they work for the magic? I, I can't remember their names, but they worked for the magic. And I think they did, uh, I can't remember if it was on the website or something, or they just did like media. For yeah, no, it was like this. It was just like this really like rough streaming, yeah. uh, stream that like it was you, you, you can only watch it on, on online. Uh, and that's it. And then yeah. one day the NBA realized, hey, we can make money off of this. Why are we? Uh, why are we airing these games and having a deal with ESPN and yeah, <laughs> and making a major event? So yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that that I'm looking forward to. And like I said, I'm 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 basically that Larry David gif where he's kind of <laughs> like <laughs> right now with the playing. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm. We'll see what happens. I'm not. I'm not too excited about it. Uh, if they, I rather, I rather they miss it and still see if the Bulls can somehow lock into jumping to the top four. That would be my preferable. And hey, I mean, Mark, listen, last time the Bulls had 1.7% chance of getting the first pick, uh, they did it. So, it worked out like, all right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's very so it, it worked out pretty well for them. And I'm uh, hoping for I'll, some divine luck for them. Yeah. That would be amazing. I'll I will settle for a scoop. <laughs> like, like, you know, like it's uh not to say that we said obviously Scoot's gonna be a generational talent too, but 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 yeah, I mean I think that's like almost hoping that they can just jump up is like the sad but reality of where you would prefer just because there's just so much like so it's just a cluster and and what they what they are if 
they don't really, you know, pick a pick a lane to retool because like it's hard to even continue to win with this team because they don't have a lot of assets to trade to upgrade the roster and then they don't have cap space. Yep. So it's like, and then and on top of that, you have an ownership group that will refuses to pay the luxury tax. So you're pretty much left with, an, if they are trying to win again with this roster, you're pretty much left with the same team yeah. and not much uh, better, uh, you know, not much better, probably worse because you're probably going to end up losing a player or two because of the restrictions on how much you're going to be able to spend. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Those are my final thoughts. I think I was all over the place, but <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, we'll, we'll see if uh, we'll see if the Bulls come through for you. And, you know, we, we got a, a really exciting uh, round of the NBA playoffs coming up this year. Should be really entertaining. A lot of uh, takes, I'm sure, will be on uh, ESPN and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, it, it begins Tuesday and we'll see the beloved on Wednesday. And hopefully, uh, regardless of the result, it's not. Uh, too embarrassing but uh, that concludes today's Bulls Gold as always want to thank our guest Mark Schindler for uh, stopping by and chopping it up with us on the Bulls as always you can catch our past shows right here on the Barroom Network on Apple on Spotify wherever you get your podcasts and for Salim Sudawala I'm Edward Schuler. this has been Bulls Gold and we will catch you next time Bulls fans <laughs>